The following episode contains immature and offensive language. Listener discretion is advised. All right, you guys have played a bunch of characters at this point, right? And of course, we're doing feats again today. So I'm trying to figure out what feats have you guys used the most? Because I feel like there's a few kind of different feats that show up at uh, right. you know, all the time. And What did I get? 13? So 13. I got an 8. I got I, a 3. I'm down to a 5. So you're going first. Oh, with an 8? Yeah, well, yeah. Like, you knocked me down to a 5. I wasn't paying attention. Oh, geez. Okay. Um, I mean, crossbow expert. I mean, I think that's the one that Standard, I use the most. It? Yeah, it's just, it's so useful, right? Yeah. Right? It's just, how do you not? Yeah, I love crossbow expert. Uh, I like mobile feet. I go to that. Um, that's uh, that's a very useful. Sentinel. Maybe. Oh, of course. That's the other standard, isn't it? Yeah. Crossbow expert and sentinel. That's all you need. Forget everything else. Oh, I don't know. And I... that's it. That's the episode. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think Warcaster's probably another one that deserves an honorable oh, yeah, mention. Yeah, yeah. Warcaster a lot. Like all the time. If I got a spellcaster, I'm probably going Warcaster at mm. some point just to make it a little bit easier, right? Yeah. Welcome to the It's a Mimic Podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another It's a Mimic episode, where we continue our conversation on player options in Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. I am Terry, and with me today are Kyle and Dave, and this episode is called Feats Part 2, The Capability for Volatility and Hostility. In this episode of the It's a Mimic Podcast, this panel of Dungeon Masters will be looking at 18 more feats that players of martial characters might look at if feats are available at their tables. Before we jump into this, I want to ask, Variant Human is largely considered to be the best race to play in 5th edition because they get a feat at level 1, but it is technically an optional rule. As a DM, do you allow your players to choose a Variant Human? Roll again. Roll for Rolling it. again? Let's roll again. Oh, I got an 18. 14. I got a 2. Oh, I go first. No, 18. No, that's me. 18 is higher than 14 higher. in North America. <laughs> really? In North America? <laughs> oh, the metric numbers. Yes. And you want to work for a financing company. <laughs> uh, so, I like free feats at level one, uh, but I also don't like saying no to players right. if I can. <laughs> Understandable. So, I mean, like, I'm open to it, but I think there would have to be some concession to it, right? Like, if you're going to have two feats, you can either get... One combat feat and one non-combat feat. I wouldn't allow you to get two combat feats right off the hop. Sure, so you'd do it, but just you'd have a little conversation about what it is first. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Within reason, I think. That's reasonable. I have never turned anybody down for this, but I'm thinking about revisiting it because I was aware that Variant Human arguably is overpowered, but it's coming up a lot. Like, I think it's becoming really well known that it's overpowered. And I also don't like saying no to players. Um... But I may change my mind on this, and I think I might stop allowing it. Oh, really? Oh. You think that's too hard of a stance? Well, you're right, Dave. You do what you want. Well, well, I should never have said a thing. Why? Why would you want to change it? You're just like, nope. You know what? Just too because much because power. it's too powerful. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm looking at it this way, and I feel now that Fifth Edition is well established. There are many, many books out. Power creep is real. It is. It's very much a thing. Mm. I don't think it was very prevalent when it was just a PHB, a Monster Manual, and a DMG. But we're not there anymore. We get a lot more content. And in order to keep the past content up to snuff with the new content, you got to have things like these variant rules. So, yeah, I've got no problem with it. You guys want to do that? Fine. It's, I got to maybe change a DC later. 
whatever. It's not yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Like, I can adjust to that. Yeah. There's plenty of ways to make something all too powerful, right? Like, if you go online, some of the math people have done figuring out, like, the best multi-classing, like, period. They've made, like, invincible characters and stuff. There's always going to be a way to, I don't know, not necessarily break the game, but break the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't, it was 3.5, but I mean, we had a guy show up to his one-shot session, and his first opening movie did 1,500 damage. It's like, fuck off, man. You were yeah. clearly online. Someone told you how to do that. Come on, man. Be original. Yeah, uh, it's and, and the more, you know, the more books and the more rules and options we introduce, the, the bigger the ripple effect is. You know, you can't plan for all of these variables. So it's going to happen. Okay, before we get any deeper into this, though, let's cut to an ad break. We've previously covered quite a bit in our discussion on player options in 5th edition. For all those episodes and more, you can follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and dozens of other podcast apps. And if you'd like to support us, you can donate through the website, check our store, or join our Patreon and get access to other episodes and series. If you'd like to pay for some ad space on It's a Mimic, or just shout out to a friend, please reach out to us through our email and website that are listed in the show notes below. This week on the It's a Mimic Patreon, Silver Tier patrons and above can access a Patreon-exclusive episode where I sit down with one of my players and discuss how 5th edition's deck of many things doesn't have to be the terrifying character killer that its reputation implies. On the public channels, though, listeners can find a special mailbag episode where four hosts sit down and talk about the ups and downs of an excellent franchise that had its reboot kill an entire cinematic universe. But for now, let me tell you all about Bradley's Discount Previously Used Cod Pieces. Available now for resale, these barely rusted chainmail accessories offer minimal chafing, occasional protection, and well-worn and thoroughly powdered inner linings that speak of a timeless fashion appropriate for any medieval battlefield or basement wrestling match. Why am I spending my time promoting pre-owned junk cradles that offer the gentle caress of a prison machine shop's industrial vice? Because I truly believe that there is at least one person, maybe even on this podcast, who would absolutely love to feel the jagged embrace of Bradley's discount previously used cod pieces. Use promo code TETANUS to get 50% off shipping, but all the handling you could possibly want and more. Now let's get back to the show. <laughs> and I will buy that product. <laughs> Whatever it was. Okay, uh, before we go any further, let's remind everybody of exactly what feats are and uh, and why do people like them. So, a feat, rule as rules as written then, a feat represents a talent or an area of expertise that gives a character special capabilities outside of their race, their class, or their subclass. But why do most people like feats? Well, the reason it, that people like feats so much is that feats are so attractive... Uh, because they provide versatility and variety to the player character's options within the game and can even be used tactically in combination for interesting and uncommon results that may be difficult to predict for, for the DM or even for the rest of the players at the table. But when do you get them? You get them at certain levels. Your class gives you the ability score improvement feature. Using this optional feats rule, though, you can forego taking that feature to take a feat of your choice instead. You can take each feat only once unless the feats description says otherwise. Save feat one more time. Hey, Terry. Save feat <laughs> one more time. It was Terry never about loves feet. It was never about feet for me. It was always about shoes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, how prerequisites work. 
<laughs> you know, there's people that sometimes listen to this podcast that I know that it's like I probably shouldn't say things like that because it may affect things in my other in my everyday life. You never know. Right, you, you know, you might be applying for a job or something. They may be like, I heard your foot comment that yeah. you said. <laughs> Check out these shoes, Terry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How prerequisites were, and the fact that you might lose the ability to use the feet in the middle of the game is, uh, is important to know. So you must meet any prerequisite that is specified in a feat to take that feat. And if you ever lose a feat's prerequisite, I can't say that word, pre- prerequisite, <laughs> you cannot use that feat until you regain the prerequisite. So... Uh, DMs, uh, players may conveniently forget this as well. So, for example, the grappler feat requires you to have a strength of 13 or higher. If your strength is reduced to below 13 somehow, uh, perhaps by a withering curse, for example, you cannot benefit from the grappler feat until your strength is restored. That makes sense. I mean, you know, you gotta... It makes just sense. Just because you, you know, meet the objective before doesn't mean you're doing it. Yeah, right? it's... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. you. You've lost their. You know, it's like losing your proficiency with an armor or something based on your size or, or whatever. Um, okay, so let's go through a bunch of feats. Then this is how we're going to do this. We're going to take two minutes to describe each of the feats. We'll talk about it for three minutes, and then we'll uh, we'll do another two minute discussion to discuss favorites. The reason I bring this up is this: these types of episodes are so easy to run over or under, and uh, so I'll try and keep us as close to this as we can. So we'll do it. Um, are you going to set a timer? Yeah, I, yeah. I have keen mind, and so I know what time it is all the time. I do not have keen mind. I took the feet brain fog, I think. Uh, so no initiative necessary for this. You get to three minutes, and it's just like, no! Turn it up! No initiative necessary. We'll go through the, the feats, um, and then if there's a class or race or background or campaign setting or party role or anything you think makes sense for it, we'll touch on that as well. And also, like, a level that you think would be appropriate to take it. So, I will start first, though. So, we'll start with the charger feat. So, you'll find this in the player's handbook. When you use your action to dash, you can use a bonus action to make one melee attack or to shove a creature. If you move at least 10 feet in a straight line, immediately before taking this bonus action, you either gain a plus 5 bonus to the attack's damage roll, if you choose to make a melee attack and you hit, or you can push the target up to 10 feet away from you if you choose to shove and succeed. That's interesting. So you get a plus five to the sorry, was that a damage roll? Yeah, damage plus roll. five to damage roll specifically. Yeah, it, if you it's move ten feet. It's interesting that it's like a flat number. Normally, it's add a one d something. Right, but it's, it's like that for most of the feats, right? Like crossbow expert or no skilled marksman. It gives you plus ten to damage and then minus ten to the attack. Yeah. So I think feats mostly work on solid right. numbers. Yeah, fair enough. It's just you don't see a lot of that in other parts of the game. Right? Yeah, yeah. So what's five considered average of a D eight, I suppose? Um, so yeah, it it's, uh, it makes sense. Do you think that there's no initiative for this? But do you think there's like a party role or class or race or background this might make sense for? I mean, this is your your guy that's going to get in there quickly, hit and get out again, right? Right. Uh, whether that's a rogue, a monk, barbarian, anything like that, right? Yeah, I think I I think I had Charger once. Maybe it was with my fighter when I was playing a champion fighter. It worked quite well for that. I think I doubled it up with a mobile feat as well. It worked well. Yeah. I like it with a cleric. Something that doesn't have the extra attack. It gives a little more like utility in terms of right. your options in combat, right? Like as I know with one of the games I play, I play a peace cleric and the Barbarian always gets there before me, but I'm the one with high AC, so I should be getting in there first. But there's no real advantage to using the dash for me, but I think this would help it. 
kind of swayed over. That's to the, fair. Yeah, yeah that's a good example. It a little more useful. Yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, and it just gives a little more options in terms of what you can do, right? Rather than spiritual weapon and hitting with a mace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a protector ASMR cleric, so the protector ASMR can fly for a minute. Whack some spirit guardians on that, and just go nuts at your undead. All right, just fly around the room, and that's what I did. It was incredible. That's Interesting. Awesome. Yeah, that's all right. Completely irrelevant, but uh, okay. Uh, Dave, you're up next. Uh, all right, I got the mobile feat. This is also from the PHB. There are no prerequisites for it. Uh, essentially, the features for this feat are that you gain 10 feet of movement, or, I mean, your speed increases, right? Uh, when you dash, you ignore difficult terrain, and when you attack with a melee weapon, you don't provoke attacks of opportunity from the creature that, you know, right there. Mm-hmm. Um, this does last until the end of the turn, and it doesn't matter if you hit or not. Yeah, So, which is a great ability for it. Absolutely. Mobile is, I think, I mean, you mentioned it at the beginning there. Yeah. It's it's one of the ones I would probably use more than most. Yeah. Uh, it's great. It, it is, and it's good for getting in and out, Yeah, um, you know, covering a lot of ground. The difficult terrain, sorry, it doesn't, uh, what's the difficult terrain part? I forget. When you dash, you get to ignore difficult terrain. Right, right. Which, I mean, that's so useful for, I was thinking for like a rogue, because you're going to be dashing all the time. Plus the, the idea of not provoking attacks of opportunity. Maybe if you were a monk, you could get around the room. And, you know, hit one over here, one over here, one over here. This seems like it's great for, for a character that's, I'm thinking like a low-level character that's trying to run around the room. And, you know, that 1d6 hit uh, is actually going to, like, sink, you know, do some damage, right? It's actually going to make an impact on those, you know, pack of kobolds or goblins or whatever it is, right? Do you think it's balanced? Do you think there's anything about it which is overpowered at all? I think that not all feats are created equally, and right. it is a little more on the overpowered side. Okay. Uh, that being said, I mean, you do sacrifice, in most scenarios, you sacrifice getting an uh, ability score increase for this. So, I mean, it's that's okay. Yeah. I think it's not really overpowered. I think it's better than a lot of feats, but it doesn't really make anything too powerful. It just... Uh, it saves you a little bit, right? That's not, right. You're not. It's not like you're causing more damage yeah. specifically because of this feat. That's right. I don't know. I think you're taking a little less, but I, I feel like you're with your monk. It's just going to make you just so crazy fast getting around. Especially if you're dashing, like you're going to be moving over a hundred feet around, and that's that's crazy. Yeah. Right. And it's not even going to take you that long. What uh, what level do you get the extra movement as a monk? Do you guys know off the top of your head? I don't know. I can't remember, but it's not. It doesn't. Pretty take, early. I early. don't monk. Yeah. So. so <laughs> you don't monk? I don't monk. No? Okay. I haven't yet. A, a particular build, race, class, background do you think works? I think everyone said monk. Yeah, monk. Except yeah, rogue rogue would be pretty good, too. good. Rogue. Rogue barbarian, you want him to get in first and start hitting stuff, right? You want them to be up front. Uh, I also like the idea of. Um, the, the smaller creatures, the ones that are going to kind of like mingle in and around, maybe bigger foes. Uh, so maybe I'd give this to someone like a, uh, maybe like a kobold or a goblin if I was doing them as a PC. Right. I think that might be a lot of fun. Uh, goblins have nimble escape, so they get to take, uh, disengage as a bonus action. Okay, so maybe it's not super useful for them. But, yeah. But, you know, I, I was just trying to think the, the small nimble creature moving around. It does work like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? thematically for a smaller race yeah i feel like or like a pixie too That's yeah you're going for a little like, halfling you know? maybe like run around if you're fighting giants or something you know yeah run through the legs mm-hmm. for the background i thought that this would might be a, an interesting one for a sailor uh, it just seemed like uh you know in a, in a storm 
you know, the ship's rocking back and forth. You got to get around from one end to the other. And that's, I would say, difficult terrain, ship rocking back and forth. You get to ignore it. I mean, it, does, it feels like it fits there. And it's a little more not... You're getting a lot done in a uh, enclosed environment. Yeah. There, right? Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah, where it's going to be an advantage to you over the other people in this in that smaller environment where they can't do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but it's kind of a more of an open environment. You maybe don't feel that as much. So. No, and I I think I'd take this feet like ASAP. I wouldn't I wouldn't wait on this one. This is not a later level. I know the martial class ones are the ones that seem to suit martial classes. It's like how as soon as you can, but you know. Uh, okay. Perfect. Okay, let's move it on to uh, Kyle. What do you have? I have Sentinel. So, uh, Sentinel has no prerequisites, uh, and it basically has a couple abilities where if you hit a creature with an opportunity attack, their speed drops to zero for the rest of the turn. Uh, You can still hit enemies with opportunity attacks, even if they take the disengage action. And if an enemy is within five feet of you and attacks a creature that isn't you and that also doesn't have a Sentinel feat you can make a single melee attack as a reaction. So, I mean, taking it early, once again, is going to be great. I also think this mixes very well with Polar Master. Like, those two feats together, yes. I think is probably one of the best combos, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Because whenever someone enters your space, you can do an opportunity attack, and then you automatically kill their speed. Yeah. It's, you can stop them from getting to you. Yeah. yeah. It's another powerful one. It's great. It's great in close quarters as well. I had, I don't know if it was me or somebody else in our party, but we were using Sentinel. It was coming up a lot in a dungeon crawl. Mm-hmm. I think we were going um, like two abreast down the hallway, like a 10 foot hallway. And it was just always useful for when that other person was getting hit. And I, th- yeah, it was good. I don't remember it exactly, but it was awesome. Yeah. Which I think is good that they added the language that the other person needs to not have Sentinel for it to work. Right. Right? Cause yeah, you can't just do it back and forth all the yeah. way down the hallway. Yeah, yeah. You just get like a sentinel chain going on. Yeah. Yeah, I got to say, this sentinel feat, you guys, I forget which one of you, I think it was maybe Nabila had it in the party. And every time it would come up, it was just such a pain in the ass. It would stop the guy from moving over here. And like, because I mean, that's, that's one of the big things that I try to work with is moving around the map. Because normally it's not an even fight. The numbers are off, right? Yeah. So. If you can if you can slow that one guy down, my god, man, it sucks. Yeah. yeah. It's like the monk coming in with the stunning fist. Like uh, it's just, it's or so stunning strike. Like fuck off. You know, it's the bane of a DM's existence. One of my guys in this uh, this last week um uh put my pit fiend into a wall of force. <laughs> <laughs> On a ship as well, which I thought would be the best place to introduce a pit fiend, right? Yeah. Of, and that was it. He just couldn't fucking move. He was just stuck there. <laughs> So, yeah, movement is important. Okay, um, which of these three is your favorite? There's no initiative necessary, so shout, shout out. I think these three are my three favorite feats, I think, just anyway. So it's like the hardest decision ever. Uh, I don't know. I, I probably, like, they all have their uses for sure. Charger, I probably wouldn't use it enough to take it. It's not worth sacrificing that ASI. Sentinel... That's great, but I tend to make characters that kind of fend for them, themselves and will help others, but they don't necessarily need to kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I just go mobile. It allows me to kind of get around the battlefield and ignore that difficult terrain, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I think Sentinel is probably the best one out of them all, but I like Charger the most because it's just the most fun. Yeah, it's great. And yeah. if you, with Charger, like you can take that melee attack or you can do the shove, but if you're if they already have one of your allies within five feet of them 
and you do a shove, then you're getting two reaction attacks of opportunity. Because yeah. you get your own for pushing them out, and then they would get one as well. So there's times when the shove is really powerful. I like knocking them prone. I think that is a really good ability, right? Because then you, everybody else has um, like advantage on attacks for yeah. the next round. So if you can do that, like if you do that right at the beginning, you get a big guy down, and then, like like I said, if I was taking it with a cleric, right, I could use that on a big guy, and then have the Barbarian come in and then do his three attacks with advantage, right? Yeah, Yeah, or it gives your Rogue advantage on a sneak attack, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly that. Okay, well, let's move on to the next two. I don't have one for this, but the both of you do. How convenient. <laughs> I guess I'll go first, then. Uh, I got the Grappler. Wait, I decide who goes first. All right, well, <laughs> who's going first, Terry? Dave, you're going first. I don't well, want because, you anymore. Because no, I Kyle, told you go you first. I don't want to. Kyle, no, he picked you. You will not be going first. David, you're going first. All right, so... Sorry, the people on the internet didn't know your name was David. I'm sorry. Uh, edit that out. Spoiler yeah. alert. Uh, so, the grappler feat, before we get into it, you guys are familiar with the grapple rules. It's athletics versus athletics or acrobatics checks. Right? That's where we're at. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this feat is, again, from the PHB. The prerequisite was you have to have a strength of 13 or higher which Terry so rudely already brought up earlier. I was saving it for this section, but he just, you know, you give him DM one power, and it's he okay. just you could thinks he can him. run God. everything here. Our That's, listeners are leaving in droves. That's Excellent. What, <laughs> I did bring it up for that specific feat. That's uh -huh. right. It didn't yep. It didn't need to be. Nope. But uh, you stole my thunder, so okay. just, uh, just want to point that out a little bit there. Uh, the features of this particular feat, uh, feature of it, uh, is that you get advantage on attacks against creatures as you're grappling. So you already got them, you know, held on. You you know, you get advantage. That's great. That alone is absolutely wonderful. But that's not all you get. <gasps> Tell us more. You can also use your action to pin your opponent, which you make a second grapple check. If you are successful, you are both restrained until the grapple ends. And if you're not, if you're not successful, there's no effect. That doesn't stop the grapple. You're still grappled, but it's just you don't have them pinned. Mm. Would you, uh, it's a dumpster fire of a feat, and I hate it. Yeah, it's it's the you're both restrained until the grapple ends. Yeah. So if and I, then you get advantage on attacks, but then restrained means that you both have disadvantage on attacks and advantage to attack against. So like the disadvantage and the advantage cancels out, so that you as the grappler just have a normal attack and then the person underneath you has disadvantage it is stupid sorry i missed i maybe i missed does it say you're both considered grappled yeah you're both, you're both yeah when you have if you are successful in the pin you are both restrained until the grapple ends which you can choose to end yeah but you haven't you wasted two rounds trying to make this thing work anyway well, yes no. but the idea is that you catch the guy you pin him down and then your friends come over and tie him up and then you can let go right that's that's what it's for, right? So you maybe maybe you wouldn't do this in the middle of combat. Maybe this would be, th maybe this would be what you do to initiate combat. Yeah, or maybe you've already, you've killed five of six goblins and you're after the last one to question them, right? That's what you're gonna do here. But I mean, that's not worth a feat. No. Nobody's writing a song about that. No, I mean, so. I, I was thinking that maybe for this one, it might be neat for like a monk or a barbarian, the big beefy guys that are gonna get up there. Clearly, you would never use this for a spellcaster. Could you imagine your like little halfling sorcerer running around with the grappler feet? Yeah, probably not probably. even a monk because it's strength based, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. For the grappling. Uh, yeah, I suppose that's true. But I just kind of figured monks are more hand to hand, and 
That yeah. to me means grapply. Monks have always been kind of grapply in the back of my head, but yeah, you're right. They're like uh, they're like defensive wrestlers. They're like they're good at getting out of grapples. Mm-hmm. But perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so um, yeah, <laughs> do we like? It? I don't feel like we don't like it. But yeah, no. it's just it's not it's not good enough, and I mean it's not a feat that I would particularly look at getting right away either. If I was really gung ho on grappling, it's a waste of a fourth level feat. It's a waste of an eighth level feat, and I'm not going to decide to become a grappler at level twelve. You know, like yeah. it's just I don't see me ever using this. No. And, and maybe somebody at home listening really loves the grappler feet, and that's they're all about it, and that's fine. But nobody will remember your name, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, so I've got mounted combat or mountain mounted combatant. Uh, so just as a quick overview of the rules um, for mounted combat, which is rather vague and kind of slapdash. Um, so for something first for something to be considered a mount. It has to be at least one size category larger than you. To mount it, it has to be within five feet, and it will cost half your speed for the round, like standing up from prone. And then the same goes for dismounting as well. Uh, If something moves your mount against its will, such as from the Thunder Wave spell, or you are knocked prone while riding the mount, you have to make a DC 10 dexterity saving throw or fall prone within five feet of the mount. Uh, should the mount be knocked prone, you can use your reaction to dismount and land on your feet or be dismounted and knocked prone within five feet of the mount again. Um, in situations where the mount can be targeted by opportunity attacks, uh, the attacker can choose to target either the mounted player or the mount itself. The same goes for regular attacks. Uh, and mounting does not affect um, its turn, meaning that a mount can act in the same turn that it is mounted. You can either opt to control your mount, provided it has been trained to act as a mount, like a domesticated horse, a donkey, or a mastiff, which are likely to be among the few choices available to you. Um, And then, and in that case, the mount will also share your initiative count and will only be able to take the dash, disengage, and dodge actions. Or you can let the mount control itself and act independently, i.e. under the DM's control. However, uh, rules is written, this choice will also be taken away from you in the case of intelligent mounts, like dragons or pegasi, uh, where they will have their own turn in the initiative and could do anything uh, from running away to eating a corpse to just trying to shake you loose. Like you have no option. It is all up to the DM what's gonna happen with your mount. Um, So for the mounted feet, for the mounted combatant feet, uh, well-mounted and not incapacitated, you have advantage to attack any creature that is smaller than your mount and is not itself mounted. Like why you can't, don't get advantage on a mounted target doesn't make sense to me. Uh, You can also force an attack uh, that targets your mount to target you instead. And if your mount is subjected to an effect that forces it to make a deck save in order to take half damage, like from a trap or fireball, it will take no damage on a success and half damage on a fail instead. So you're essentially giving it evasion. Evasion, yeah. Uh, And then, so would I take it? Never. Like, almost never. Like, if you were maybe having a mount-heavy campaign, sure. But I would... be pissed off if my DM actually made me waste like 
an ASI or a feat to take this and didn't just give it to me. Yeah, this feat to me sounds like, all right, you guys have now been conscripted into the King's Army. Uh, you're going to undergo some rigorous training. You're going to be part of the Mounted Division. Part of your training requires you to undergo this. You all get this feat moving forwards. Yeah. It would be a mechanic of the game that we're playing in and the, the campaign that we're in. Not a, my player probably wants to take this. Because if you have one person that's all about mounted combat, that really limits what everybody else can do. And that's just being a greedy player at a table. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think it's because it's it's so loose with uh, the rules for mounts as it is that it becomes even more kind of loose and strange when you add mounted combatant. I really enjoy mounted um, combat and the use of mounts, and I'm trying to encourage it more and more within my games. But it just it, it gets a little it gets a little funny, and I'm not too sure about that feat itself. But I still find myself just preferring it over grappler. But I agree with you, Dave. I would probably introduce this as a plot point. Um, that everybody gets it. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, here's a neat thing, bonus thing. We've been kind of, you know, going through a slog for a while. Right. You know, here's a here's a neat little way to pass some time. You guys get a bonus. Moving on, right? Yeah. Moving forwards, this may come up for any one of you. However, it might not too. It can be useful if you're getting, if you're quite a, um, you know, if you're quite a confident DM and you have a lot of mounted combat, particularly if it's like a, a flying mounts, like a griffin or something like that. Um, because you can introduce those flying mounts so that you can have more interesting like aerial battles with dragons and stuff. But mounted combatant is going to help with not just having uh, players falling out of the sky left, right, and center. Yeah, I also think that I may you know ask my players to pick what animal or what mount they're proficient in. Mm -hmm. You know, just because you can you know mount a horse doesn't mean you can ride a griffin. You know, right? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Okay, but out of Grappler and Mounted Combatant, which I feel there was not a whole lot of enthusiasm for either, uh, uh, which is your favorite? I'll take the ability score increase, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the rest of the episode yeah, will absolutely. be on ASI. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like picking between a turd sandwich and a giant douche. Yeah. I think I'll take the douche in the form of the Mounted Combatant if I had to, uh, because, I, it, it, because it's going to fit better with the game that I run. Yeah. Uh, just, grappler, I'm just never going to use it. I, if I had to pick one or the other, I'd pick, I would pick Grappler because that's the one I think would come up. Okay. I mean, how often do we do mounted combat? We, we had those wooden donkeys for like 20 minutes, and now they're, you know, we've yeah, moved okay. on, right? So, yeah. Well, they either died or we just forgot about them. Yeah, a couple got lit on fire, <laughs> one got left back here, and you know, it happens. Yeah. yeah. A wooden donkey, like, there's... Yeah, There's a good... joke there for some sort of medieval fantasy. Well, no, it's a Dungeon of the Mad Mage. It's like right out of Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Is it really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a wooden donkey on wheels, and when you get on it, it's like it, it rolls around, and you like you ride this thing. It's I hate cool. it. Yeah, well, they all I got one. Funny. Yeah, they all got one, right? Yeah. So maybe okay, maybe I'll use it again. It lasted like twenty minutes. So okay, well, we did well with the first three. We shot all over the next two, <laughs> <laughs> and that is totally fine. <laughs> uh, let's move on to, we, we, I think we have three, four or five each and we'll do them in a kind of clumps and they're all kind of, um, each themed. Yeah. Themed. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So let's roll for initiative on this one. We'll decide who's going to go first. All right. Ooh. Dave 19. 19 until I changed it to a one. And then and you got a 19. 19. Stolen. I got a seven. That's oh, how I do it. Okay. Geez. So that means that I'm going to go first. All right. God damn it, Dave. Now we got to start the whole thing over. All right, re-roll. Let's re-roll. <laughs> yep. um, I'm going to use the three feats out of uh, Fisman's Treasury of Dragons. 
um, that uh, that are gifts from the three kinds of dragons: the chromatic dragons, the gem dragons, and the metallic dragons. And I will start first with the gift of the chromatic dragon. There are two parts to this feat. The first part is chromatic infusion. As a bonus action, you can touch a simple or a martial weapon, and you can actually infuse it with one of the following damage types. So it will be acid, cold, fire, lightning, or poison, because of chromatic dragons. And that means that for the next minute, the weapon deals an extra 1d4 damage of the chosen type when it hits with an attack. After you use this bonus action, though, you cannot do that again until you finish a long rest. Part 2 is reactive resistance. When you take acid, cold, fire, lightning, or poison damage, you can use your reaction to give yourself resistance to that instance of damage. You can use this reaction a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you can regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. I just want to pause there and get your thoughts on that. It's the second part that I feel is overpowered, but I'd like to get your your, your thoughts on it. I, I don't think it's that great, to be honest. You don't like it, really? No, I think... I would maybe like it a little more if the damage scaled as you go up in a level. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Like 1d4 is not is it's nothing. pretty weak when you're tier 3, tier yeah, 4. Especially yeah. for one minute once per long rest, right? Like it's not very useful. And then resistance, it's for a minute or just for one, so when you one take, instance of damage? Um, it's a reaction, yeah. but you can use that reaction up to uh, a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. So maybe like five times. Yeah, it's still, right? It, if you're going into a higher level where, you know, the enemies that you're playing are going to have multiple attacks and they're, like, let's say a drow, right? Where they deal poison damage every round or with every attack, right? One resistance to the poison damage. Right. Mm. Okay. I think I was just thinking of it as um, if you're in some kind of boss battle. Yeah, you know, like the dragon's breath kind of thing. Yeah, and it's like, okay, well, you have resistance on that five times now, which will be the entire battle. Okay. Um, but uh, but you're right. There are most instances it's actually not going to be that powerful. Okay, next one. Gift of the Gem Dragon. This one's uh, from Fizzbands as well, page 17. Yeah, there's two parts to this one as well. The first one is an ability score increase. Uh, you can increase your intelligence, wisdom, or charisma by one to a maximum of 20. Okay, Um Quick little kind of uh, ASI there, sure. The second part is telekinetic reprisal. So when you take damage from a creature that is within 10 feet of you, you can then use your reaction to emanate telekinetic energy. And that means that the creature that dealt the damage to you must make a strength saving throw, and that will be the DC equals 8 plus your proficiency bonus plus the ability modifier of the score increased by that feat. On a failed save, that creature then takes 2d8 force damage and is pushed up to 10 feet away from you. So that means an attack of opportunity as well. On a successful save, no, it doesn't because you use your reaction, right? It you use your reaction. They have to be willingly moved. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. On a successful save, they have to be willingly moved for attack of opportunity. Yeah, they can't. If if you like use like thunder wave or something to like push them back, and they unwillingly leave the threatened area, there's no attack of opportunity. Really? I always yeah. use attack of opportunity for that. No. <clears throat> Delete that from the internet. What Dave just said. On a successful save, though, the creature takes half as much damage and is not pushed. And you can use this reaction a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, short or long rest, to to get it back. Am I going first again? No, I'm looking at you because you seemed underwhelmed for the second time in a row. I am extremely underwhelmed. This is now the fourth feat in a row that you've been underwhelmed by. Yeah, I'll be honest. There's a lot of feats that I think they added to the game just to give a greater number. 
of feats rather than, you know, giving in worthwhile ones to take. Like with Grappler 2, I think they should have done away with it and they should have rolled it into Tavern Brawler. Yeah, I think yeah. Right. I think what they what they did was they built this new system for 5th edition. And when you looked at like 3.5, there were so many feats. Every new book had another, you know, five, ten pages of feats in it, right? There mm -hmm. were just so many, so many. Everything was feat-based. As a human, you were getting a feat every other level. Yeah. Plus, if you were a fighter, you were getting feats all the time. Like, just you were getting feats, feats, feats all the time. And then it was such a core part of the game that they introduced 5th edition and went, oh, uh, we kind of built the game so we don't really need feats anymore. But everybody loves them, so... What can we do? And that's how we got uh, combat maneuvers, right? So it's not really feats, but they're really useful, right? That's yeah. what the fighters do now, right? But we still need feats, so uh, what do we do? Let's just make these couple of ones, and then yeah. every time we come up with a new setting, we'll just theme like six more, and we'll make it really cool for that one setting, but not useful anywhere else, right? <laughs> You're so right. like it's just they're they're very particular. Every time there's a new intern comes in, there's a new feat just gets written up. Yeah, yeah they right? just shoehorned it in there, right? Like for, honestly, for this one, it seems uh pretty close to like what the tiefling gets, right? Like it's just the oh, reflavored hellish rebuke. Hellish rebuke, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, I mean, like, they're, they're, you're still getting half of the ASI here as well, right? So yeah. it's not a bad trade-off because you're still getting that one increase. But, I mean, you only get to pick from the three, was it, uh, Intelligence, Wisdom, and Charisma? Charisma, yeah. Yeah, so, like, you get to boost one of your mental stats, right? Cool. Are you mental? <laughs> What's that from, Dave? I don't know. Wayne's World. Uh, okay. He says it in the diner when she buys in the gun rack. I saw that movie, like... Once 20 years ago. I don't even own a gun. <laughs> okay. Uh, Gift of the Metallic Dragon, Fizzbands, page 17. Okay, two parts to it. First part is Draconic Healing. You learn the Cure Wounds spell. Great. You can cast this spell without expending a spell slot. Awesome. Once you cast the spell in this way, you cannot do so again until you finish a long rest. But you can also cast this spell using spell slots that you have. The spell casting ability is Intelligence, Wisdom, or Charisma when you cast it. Uh, with this feat, and you choose when you gain the feat. The second part is protective wings. You can now manifest protective wings that can shield you or others. When you when you or another creature you can see within five feet of you is hit by an attack roll, you can then use your reaction to manifest these uh, spectral wings from your back for just a moment, and you can grant a bonus to the target's AC equal to your proficiency bonus against the attack roll potentially causing it to miss, of course, and you can use this reaction a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain it at the end of a long rest. Kyle, we look to you. It's not terrible, but I, I honestly, out of all of them, I think it's the only one that's really worthwhile of taking, right? It's Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, I agree with you. I would, when I'm taking a feat as a player, uh, it's probably going to be something that I want to annoy or frustrate the DM with. I want to be able to use it to, like, you know, take his power away, right? Yeah. And and I think this this really does kind of, you know, hit that a little bit, right? It's almost like parry that you can use. I know, I was thinking that as well. <laughs> every, like every time, uh, when we started playing 5th edition, and just a little background, when we started playing 5th edition, the, the uh, drow, um, the elites or whatever, yeah. have this parry ability. Right. So they get a bonus uh, to their AC every i think it's once per round on one melee attack yeah so the barbarian was losing his oh uh, yeah mind. he's like why can't i hit him <laughs> he's like the, the the monk would come in and hit with a you know 18 or whatever 
and fine. And then the barbarian comes in and misses with a 20. And he's like, what the fuck's going on? You're lying to me. He's like, nope, I'm not lying to you. And he just couldn't wrap his mind around it. He was he was mad. And it still comes up. It still comes up all the time. I think it's so, fair to, you don't have to be secretive with it. You could say, he parries it. Yeah. <laughs> like it's The barbarian's like, why am I not hitting him? This You're is blocked. probably why he shot me, actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, look. Is there is there a case like still ongoing for this? Or, I think we can talk it's about out it there. now. Yeah. <laughs> it's out there. As long as we don't use any names. Yeah. We wouldn't want out Anthony. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have two questions for you, Dave and Kyle. Yes. Question number one: Do you think these accurately represent the kind of dragons they're attached to? I guess. Uh, chromatic dragons? No, not really. It's not evil enough for my taste. <laughs> it should it should force one of these should force some kind of save right like you, if you had 1d4 damage and then like let's say you pick poison it would have to make a dc save to avoid being poisoned or lightning to avoid being stunned or blinded or something like i want a little more, yeah, a little it, more. it's got a whiff of them but it's yeah. not it doesn't really feel like it yeah yeah it feels like they were like oh we're coming out with a new product we need to come up with some bullshit feats for it what a, what <gasps> oh guys the, i got uh, some ideas yeah. what about the gem dragons okay you get an asi it's great and then you get psionic sure and then you get hellish rebuke essentially yeah. And then Hell's Rebuke, but it's like a psionic thing because it's forced and it pushes them away. Yeah, you know what? If I was going to give my... If I was going to take my players and they were going to get dropped somewhere neat and I was going to start using Fizzband Dragon stuff and one of them was a Kalish Tar, maybe I would like throw the, throw them a bone and give them, you know, that kind of thing. Right. But short of that... Do you think the metallic ones fit? Healing, protective wings? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah fine. That seems good stuff. That's goodness. Low-hanging fruit, though. <laughs> uh, would you hand these out as part of a story-based reward? Yeah. Yeah. Or independent independent of leveling, sorry. Chromatic and the gem ones, not the metallic one. You don't like people healing or being protected? It's not that I don't like people healing it. I just, I don't know, I just wouldn't give it a, that one away in particular, right? That's that really powerful a, to give you, to five party members. Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah, yeah, all five of them have it, that's too much. You yeah. can now all yeah. cast Cure Wounds and you can now all protect each other all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah right? It's, 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 it's no good. You're going to have to... It's going to break your party. Right? My fucking yeah. party. There's no way they're getting that. Fuck those guys. <laughs> I'm not doing it. They figure it out all the time. But no, I mean, like, in a world me. where dragons can be patrons for like a, like a warlock patron, I don't see why they couldn't do a favor for a dragon and get a you know whiff of their power. Kind sure. Of thing. Right. Okay. That brings us to the end of the uh, of the draconic ones. Then Kyle, you rolled the next highest initiative, so you go next. Okay. So I am doing uh, the armor feats. Uh, so to start it off. There's lightly armored. Which gives you, there's no prerequisites, and you get a plus one to strength or dex and proficiency in light armor. Moderately armor, you must already have proficiency with light armor. You get plus one to strength or dex and proficiency with medium armor. And that's what you get. Uh, with heavily armored, you must have proficiency with medium armor. I knew it! Yeah. <laughs> You're a quick one, Dave. You get a plus one to strength, and you get proficiency to, with heavy armor. Uh, there's medium armor master where you have to have proficiency with medium armor um, and with this you armor doesn't impose disadvantage and uh, you can have a max dex bonus of three instead of two uh, for heavily heavy armor master uh, you need proficiency with heavy armor you get plus one to strength and damage from non-magical bludgeoning piercing and slashing damage is reduced by three 
which I found is kind of odd. Like it's reduced by three. three. It's a weird number. Normally it's yeah. twos or fives. Yeah. Or so something. lower tiers, you're like, all right, and then you get to upper tiers, you're like, what the hell? Okay, <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Three damage. Fucking, awesome. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Well, if it's from non-magical attacks, because oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. right. Okay. Uh, and then we also have Shield Master, which has three abilities. Uh, if you use your action to attack. You can try to shove a creature uh, within five feet of you as a bonus action, so you can move at five feet or knock it prone. Uh, if you aren't incapacitated, you can add your shield's AC to your deck saving throws. And if you have to make a deck saving throw to take half damage on a success, you can instead take no damage on a success by putting the shield between you and the effect. Um, yeah. I mean, the only thing that I would really change... The, the armor ones are pretty standard. Pretty straightforward. Right? Like, yeah. you guys have anything to They're do. just not sexy. Yeah. That's the thing with the armor ones. They're not... Like, no one's ever going to be like, thank God you took that armor feat. It's never... Well, Sentinel, they will be like, thank God for Sentinel. Yeah. I, I disagree, because if you're not getting disadvantaged, that is crazy powerful. Like, that, that would be... If we're doing a water campaign, and I'm a paladin, that's, that's something that's in the back of my head. Maybe I don't want to have to worry about disadvantage when I fall off the ship. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, there's use for it there. On top of that, each time you take, like, the medium armor and then the mastery, you do go up in two for your strength. So it's like you're getting an ASI and two feats. Right? So it, it's cheap and it's not flashy and it's underwhelming, but it's not going to leave you behind. But if you're a paladin, you already have... Heavy armor proficiency, so you sure, wouldn't take but, that one. Sure, but I'm, this applies to every other class then, right? Yeah. Dave, I hate all the things you choose <laughs> to enjoy about Dungeons & Dragons. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I, and I mean, the, the shield one, that's that's great. If, nah, if you've got a spare. Like the shield one I like. Yeah, yeah, if you've got a spare feet, yeah, you just take that one. That one's cool. Yeah. The ability to uh, essentially get evasion just by holding a shield. Fuck yes, please. Yeah, right. Right, and then it does other things as well. You know, maybe instead of being, you know, a rogue, you're cross-classing into rogue to get that sneakiness, maybe I'll kind of look what, at this instead, you know? Yeah. What else would you like to see in these feats to make them a little a little, uh, a little, sexier? Uh, to make them and I don't mean sexier. like the, the female armor that we see where it just doesn't cover anything. That's the <laughs> you know what I'm Damn it. About. Well, then I'm out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, okay, the only thing that I can think would make it a little bit sexier is if you kind of rolled Charger into the Shield Master. Right. Where, where you, like, dash in and then just fucking slam somebody <laughs> with your shield. I love, I love that. I think that was a thing in 3.5. What about the Legolas yeah. skateboarding? Oh, yeah. Then, uh, you know? Why not? <laughs> Double your movement speed? <laughs> why not? Out. Why could it... DM, why can I not, uh, you know, use this as a little boogie board down a hill or something? <clears throat> We'd already mentioned that these were a little unflashy. Not, not very, you know, versatile. What about, I know that in 3.5, going back to, you know, what I know, they had things like armor spikes where you could, you know, grapple someone and deal damage with it. And that's kind of something that I don't see much of in 5th edition. I think that this is maybe an idea that you could roll in with these ar- armor masteries, maybe roll in some sort of attack damage with it. You know, if, if you do the charger feet and you're wearing heavy armor... Running into someone wearing heavy armor should do a little extra damage. Right. Yeah. Right? That kind of thing. If you're going to grapple someone and fall on top of them, and you're wearing 50 pounds of iron, maybe they take a D4 damage from that. Right? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So I, I think that's maybe how you make it a little flashier and make it a little more uh, a little more worthwhile to take. And it all it takes is that D4, right? 
Yeah, so th that's why I kind of liked um, if you put Grappler and Tavern Brawler together, because Tavern Brawler has the thing where it says... Um, says crap. We're the thing where it says crap. Yeah. Uh, that does sound like something a tavern brawler would say. Uh, <laughs> no, maybe it's unarmed fighter. But one of the there's an ability where if you're in a grapple, you get an automatic hit from somebody at the beginning of your turn. I mm. think it might be unarmed fighting in a fighting style. Mm. But you mentioned but Dave. Tavern brawlers, when you hit a creature with an unarmed strike or an improvised weapon on your turn, you can use your bonus action to attempt to grapple. Right? Like I like that with the grappling. And that seems like a better ability than any of the grappling stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Dave, you mentioned uh, armor. You'd seen armor in previous editions with spikes. I am recalling there was something in 5th edition to do with dwarves and spiky armor. Oh, the... You the know what I'm talking about, Dwarven right? Defender? Is that what that is? I don't know what it is. I don't it's know Something, but it, it involves spiky armor. And, <laughs> but you must be a dwarf or something, or you must... Yeah, it was, it was the, the Dwarven Shield Defender. Don't you have to be a dwarf? I've never played one. I've never looked at one. I'm just... There's a spiky armor. Yeah. The internet is screaming at us right now. Hey, editor's note here, just as a point of interest, because some people will very much want to look into this. What they're thinking of is the Battle Rager, which is the Dwarven-only Barbarian subclass that's available in the Sword Coast Adventures Guide. I don't blame them for not remembering that. It's one of the handful of ones that's never been reprinted. Nobody ever mentions it. And it's from their shittiest 5th edition book. But what they're thinking of is that there's a thing called Battle Rager Armor. When you choose this path at 3rd level, you gain the ability to use Spiked Armor as a weapon. Spiked Armor is a specific item that uh, is listed in the Sword Coast Adventures Guide. And the idea here is that while you are wearing Spiked Armor and are raging... You can use a bonus action to make one melee weapon attack with your armor spikes at a target within 5 feet of you. If the attack hits, the spikes deal 1d4 piercing damage. You use your strength modifier for the attack and damage rolls. Additionally, when you use the attack action to grapple a creature, the target takes 3 piercing damage if your grapple check succeeds. That's what they're trying to reference here. Again, it's such an obscure fucking thing that we have not covered on this show since, oh god, like episode... 13 maybe anyway back to the actual show but it would be nice that would be pretty great that'd if, be awesome like look spiked look i am sure. just a simple man spiked armor for all yeah right not? right everybody should have it <laughs> it's the kind of world i want to live in <laughs> everyone's safer if we all have spiked armor i would constantly spike myself like somehow <laughs> trying to find my wallet the only thing that stops that. a bad guy with spiked armor is a good guy with spiked armor <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, so unarmed fighting at the start of each of your turns, you can deal 1d4 bludgeoning damage to one creature grappled by you. So you don't even need to roll an attack. That, plus the tavern brawler, where you can grapple with the bonus action. That's great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a better use of it, for sure. Perfect. Okay, any last thing on these armor feats? No, but now I'm thinking of two people in spiked armor that get, like, stuck together. Right. Like two porcupines. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, two deer that got their antlers lined. Yeah. Like, no, if you just, like, a little to the left. No, but I can't move my arm. Well, if you just drop your axe for a minute. Like... <laughs> I bet you'd like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, who do we have? Okay, Dave, you're up next. Uh, all right, I got all the dragon lance. Well, not all of them. Some of the dragon lance feats here. So this is a brand new topic I've never even talked about uh, before. God. The Squire of Salamnia. Where is this from? Uh, it's from Dragonlance. Dragonlance. Yeah, actually. Oh. So Salamnia 
is not something you get from undercooked chicken. Can I explain why we're being sarcastic <laughs> to the people? Yes, of course, of course. Yeah, we yeah. just recorded an entire section of this uh, of this podcast. Oh yeah, I have one more to go here. I was almost done with the mic set up on mute, so uh, that's why we're revisiting. Yeah, it. Yeah, we recorded, yeah. but at least we know what we're going to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this uh, this Salamnia thing, these uh, squires of Salamnia. Uh, these are going to be fighters and paladins or knights of Salamnia background, uh, which is, again, one of the backgrounds that's specific to the Dragonlands campaign setting. It's all in the book. Go buy it. It's great. Uh, if that's your thing. <laughs> the features of this Dave are... works in marketing, can you tell? Uh, yeah, that's, that's my day job. It does not pay well, trust me. Dave's second favorite setting is Dragonlands, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> uh, I've never actually played in Dragonlands. I know nothing of it. I think... There's dragons and long pointy things. Yeah, there's yeah. a lance specifically for killing dragons. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, the Knights of Salamia get a couple of features. The first one is called Mount Up. Uh, they get to mount and dismount at a cost of five feet of movement instead of half of their movement. I think that's fucking great. I ah, man, that's just so powerful. I love it, but not in a bad way. Not I I, I feel like Dragonlance. That powerful? Well, I, mean, I like mounted combat. I'm always trying to ride anything. Yeah. Anything with a pulse in d and I'm trying to jump on it. Yeah, back, in so. D&D, Terry. Yeah, in D&D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why you caught Slamming. Exactly that. <laughs> but I mean, like, if, if your movement speed is 30 feet, all you're really saving is 10 feet of movement. And once you're already up on your mount, that doesn't mean shit. 10 feet of movement can be life or death. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. There's an asterisk there for sure. But like, yeah. Yeah. I also I also feel like having, knowing nothing about Dragonlance as a setting as a whole, I do feel like mounted combat comes up more often in this than it does regular d and I'm going to find it useful because like I said, I'm always trying to jump on mounts. So like, yeah. I'll, I'll use it well. Yeah. I, just, I feel like you're eventually probably going to be riding dragons or something. So this, you know, you're not just talking about mounted horse combat. You're talking about other kinds too, right? So I think that it might be a little more useful uh, then. You know? Right. Uh, the other ability it gets is Precise Strike. Once per turn, when you make a weapon attack against a creature, you can choose to have advantage. You just choose, like, yeah, I'm going to have advantage this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're successful on your attack roll, you get to add 1d8 to your damage. You get to do this a number of times equal to your proficiency modifier, and you regain these after a long rest. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's great. Uh, the next feat we have here is Knight of the Crown. The prerequisite is you must be at least level four and have the Squire of Salamnia feat previously. Uh, so these next three feats will all require that. So you got to do the Squire, now you're a Knight. All right. The Knight of the Crown uh, is when you, you become a Knight, you join the Order of the Crown, okay? And they promote more cooperation, loyalty, and obedience, that kind of thing. The features of this feat are you get a plus one to strength, dexterity, or constitution up to a maximum of 20, and you get the ability commanding rally, which as a bonus action, you can order one ally to attack. They must be within 30 feet of you. They must be able to see and hear you, and they can use their reaction to make a weapon attack. If the hit is successful, they add 1d8 to their damage, and they you can use this a number of times equal to your proficiency modifier, and you regain it all at the end of a long rest. Yeah. It's uh, it could be useful. It's going to depend on the 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 party dynamic as well. If you got a few martial classes in there, it's probably going to be more useful. If you're a very caster kind of heavy, it's like okay. Well, this yeah. may be a surprise to you guys, but I really like the idea of it 
as being useful for a reaction. You don't always get to use a reaction in D&D. You go entire combats without it. Mm. This is another thing that you could do. Yeah. I, I like it for that. Yeah. Right? And I like we'll, it because you're already in combat, likely, right? You're yeah. already in the thick of things. So it's just that little bit of extra boost. To it's that one extra hit. Yeah, to potentially end it quicker. Also, I like how it says can make an attack using its reaction. So one player could be like, go ahead, make that hit. And then the, the other player's like, nah, I don't feel like it. I'm oh, my God, it's so annoying. <laughs> but you know what? You could use this kind of out of combat, because you know technically we're always taking turns even though we're not using initiative, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you could be like, in the tavern, and this knight of the crown could be like, fucking hit him! And then you can, <laughs> you can use your reaction to hit him before the other guy hits you. Just instigating a bar fight? Yeah. Would it also just means you get a cheeky shot in This is not a command game. spell. No, but I, what I would say is, like, if the DM was to go, oh, well, that means we roll initiative. Nuh-uh, this is my reaction yeah. here to this, which means I can hit him now, and then we roll initiative. You're going to let him talk to you like that? Exactly. <laughs> They only have to be adjacent to it, though. They don't get to move. So, yeah. you know. Just time it right. Just time it but right. But I mean, if it's like in a bar, you know, they're probably like face-to-face, -face, you know, getting in each other's grills. And then, yeah, you're just that guy. Just that. fucking hit yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be a pussy. That's exactly. That's exactly how I would use it. That's your Rip reaction. His, twist his dick. Yeah. <laughs> the old dick twist. Yeah. What else we got, Dave? Uh, the next one we have is Knight of the Rose. Again, prerequisite level four, and you must be a Squire of Solamnia. The traits here are, when you take this, you are going to be part of the Order of the Rose. They promote leadership, justice, and wisdom. The features are you get a plus one to constitution, wisdom, or charisma to a maximum of 20. And you get the ability Bolstering Rally. Uh, as a bonus action, you can essentially give temporary hit points to, to an ally. You must be able to see them. You can uh, cast this on yourself as well. Mm. Uh, they must be able to see and hear you, though. Uh, I wonder, so if you're deafened, you couldn't do this on yourself. Because the target has to be able to see and hear. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, anyway, that, I'd be bogged down I with guess. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, temp the target gains temporary hit points equal to 1d8 plus your proficiency modifier plus the modifier of the, of the ability score you increased with the first half of this feat. Right? Makes sense? Yeah. Uh, you can do this a number of times equal to your proficiency modifier, and they recharge after a long rest. Pretty straightforward. Right? I kind of like it. I don't think it's terrible. I mean, yeah, you could be playing a paladin for this, right? Like you said, it. you have to be a fighter or a paladin. Yeah, I mean, or, you... or have the Knight of Salamnia background yeah. to, to do the squire, which allows you to do this, right? Like, it's... Yeah. Lots of steps. So maybe not a paladin, but if you're a fighter, yeah, I can see this being useful. Yeah, I mean everybody on a battlefield should have a little bit of a medic training. This kind of covers that. Yeah. It makes sense to me. The uh the third feat we have here is the Knight of the Sword. Again, same prerequisites, level four. It must be the squire prior to this. You join the Order of the Sword, however. They are devoted to heroism, bravery, and courage. The features of this feat give you a plus one to intelligence, wisdom, or charisma. Again, strangely enough, to a maximum of 20. Right. Uh, and you get demoralizing strike. Here we go. Once per turn <laughs> on a successful weapon attack, the target makes a uh, makes or rolls a save DC. Okay, the DC is equal to eight plus your proficiency plus the ability score. That you picked in the first half of the feat, okay? If the target fails, they are frightened of you until the end of your next turn. If they succeed, 
on their on their save. They have disadvantage on their next attack roll before the end of the next round. That's pretty good. I like how it works. Even if it fails. Even if it fails. Yeah, yeah you get right. something out of it, right? Yeah, Which I don't think the other ones you you did so much. That's right. And, you know, for me, anytime I try and um, get get something to have the frightened condition, it never works. Or they're immune to it or something. So it's just good to know that you get something out of it. <laughs> yeah, and you can, if you fail the first time, you can keep trying up to a number of times equal to your proficiency sure. modifier. Yeah. Yeah. Beauty. It's probably my least favorite of them. But I don't think any one of them is particularly bad. No. No, this this to me really great either. No, they're nothing to nothing to like. Oh my god, that's so cool. Yeah. But what I like about this, oh sorry, Terry, that's our okay, toes Dave. touched. That's <laughs> sorry, we're talking about feet here, and I'm just getting so excited. Um, give me them toes. Uh, <laughs> Dave, sit down. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, this, Terry, get the cattle prod. This to me screams <laughs> your party has shown up in Dragonlance or are new on the scene in Dragonlance. And your DM's trying to give them a common theme. Hey, look, you guys are all level one. You all start as squires of Solamnia. Uh, as you progress on, you hit level four. Maybe Terry, your character, wants to do the rose. Kyle, you no. want to do the crown. He does not want to do the rose. No, right? No. Like So it, it's it's how to keep your party part of the bigger you know, military-industrial complex, I guess, right? Sure. Yeah. I don't know how to go that <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it just it, it kind of incorporates them a little bit. They're not easier. selling the bullets and the bandages uh, in the war. But yeah. No, you're, you're never going to use these clearly outside of Dragonlance. Uh, they're very much designed for that. And I think that if you're going to go to Dragonlance and be part of the good guy team of Salamnia here, uh, this is this is the way to do it. Yeah. I feel very quest rewardy, like handing them out. Yes, yes, that's it, right. Yeah, I I bet you could do a Tyranny of Dragons. Bet you good because you kind of you ally with different organizations and you can slide this in. You can make it work. You can make it work in just about any setting. You just gotta reskin the flavor of it, right? But as as is, I'm not gonna show up in Waterdeep and oh, I am a knight of Salamnia. They're like, what the fuck is that? Get <laughs> out of here! You're drunk. <laughs> uh, which is your favorite? Uh, I like the idea of giving characters that wouldn't normally have healing abilities healing abilities. So that one. I think my I think I like the squire the best. The like, squire, well, I mean, yeah, the advantage you, you, you just advantage get advantage. Extra damage. Well, yeah. I mean, you're gonna get that one. You get it anyway. But yeah, because yeah. it, it's kind of like that's the path. That's right? the buy-in. And and yeah, I think that these stack really well. I think that you're gonna get the the squire of Salamnia and another one. And when you compare those two feats to two other feats. I think that these are probably going to stack up a little bit bigger, a little bit better. These do seem very much Dragonlance specific. Do yeah. you like the idea of having level appropriate feats like this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'd right? If, if they stuck to this kind of idea for every time that they, they release a new campaign setting or whatever, I think they would have a lot more success than the, hey guys, we thought of this this time. I bet you're not going to use it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like leveling feats, I think would be a lot better idea, right? Like, Having ranks in them, too, which is something they did in 3.5, right? Like, you could cleave, you could upgrade it. Yeah, you get cleave, great cleave, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, because you needed power attack, and then once you have power attack and cleave, then you can get whirlwind attack. Yeah. And like, and that was crazy. You get to attack against every creature within five feet of you. Yeah. You had a little bit of movement in there. My God, you're unstoppable. You're unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, right? I like these ones. I like the Squire ones. Um, what are your... What do you guys... Now that we've covered all of them, what are your final thoughts then for these feats in general? 
they are really cool. I think the ones we covered in the last half here, the uh, the, the specific ones are going to be um, either something you're going to take right at the beginning with the armor, the armor feats. Mm. You, you're going to have to like the armor is going to be part of your character's personality for me to want to take those. Same with the shield. Or not everybody wearing a shield is going to want the shield mastery feat, right? But uh, the other ones, those are going to be rewarded for uh, completing something in your campaign. The the Dragonlance ones, those are you're going to get it. You, we're going to play Dragonlance. You guys are going to get the Squire level one hard stop. You're all going to get it. Yeah. Right. You guys, we're going to play some you know other dragon based setting, and we got you know all of the metallic and chromatic and everything dragon. If you work for one, you're going to get a bonus from them at the end. Like that's mm. just how I'm going to use those. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, for a lot of the armor ones, I was thinking about it. I. I wouldn't mind giving them out as like a downtime activity thing, right? Like if you say, oh, my character wants to increase his training with medium armor. Like I, that, the mastery I think would be really good for those, right? Like it's a downtime activity you pick and your character's like, I'm going to just get better with wearing this armor, you know, get a little more flexible. Because I don't think there's anything that really, I don't know, it's a, it's a tough sell to want to use an ASI for one of those feats. But I think they can be handy because they do personalize the character a little bit more. Yeah. Feats are handy. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So before we wrap this episode up, let's cut to our last ad break. If you've been inspired by the conversation in this episode, please feel free to reach out and share your creativity and ideas with us and the rest of the community. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram or on our subreddit, r slash it's a mimic. Also, if you're feeling particularly generous, please follow and subscribe and leave us positive reviews, likes, and comments. Engagements like that help us pop up on search engines and keep this show running. Between this episode and the last one we talked about feats in, there are 35 combat-oriented feats. Is there a side of combat you think deserves a new feat? Oh, I was thinking about this hard before we came to... Uh record and I thought maybe something would come to mind but I do I really don't think there is because I think if I mean I went through that character sheet I'm thinking about every part of the turn on combat from the action bonus action interaction reaction movement and I think if we add anything else we're just going to get into some real bloat territory and it's just going to become really obviously overpowered so I don't think so I think they missed a big opportunity by not including feats into backgrounds. I think that if they, instead of making feats in the ASIs one or the other, I think that they should have included feats into backgrounds and kind of fleshed out the backgrounds a little bit better. Instead of just having an athlete, maybe you flesh that out a little bit better. You have the athlete, sub-background grappler. Right. Right, that kind of thing. Yes. Sub-background tavern brawler. And they get those feats with that particular background. I think that's something that... They should have thought of when they were trying to figure out what to do with feats because they just, I feel like they threw a bunch of good ones together and then way more shitty ones that are just like, well, we've got content and that's yeah. good enough. We just need to pad it out, right? I, yeah, the, the, the this is going to be really cool for those like 1% of the players that are going to do that strange build that nobody else is going to do and this one feat's going to be useful three times for them. Yeah. Right? I agree, and I, I, I really like that. And I think Grappler is an example of where they could have fleshed it out more. Like, as you go round by round, you can continue adding on. Like, maybe you can get to a point where after you pin them, maybe the next round, you should be able to start choking them out. 
Or you should be able to start to <laughs> disable limbs, like put a wrist lock on them or an arm bar or something, you know. Yeah, you can have like a, you get the grappler feet at level one and at level four you get the choke out. The you, choke you, out? You get, yeah. the, you get the choke a bitch feet, <laughs> the, the right? Jiu-jitsu feet, yeah. Yeah, you mean your grapple feet upgrades its scales, right? I think yeah. maybe that's something that we, we've mentioned this before, Kyle, you mentioned earlier in the episode, scaling. That's something that feats don't do and should because there are a lot of first level feats and there's a lot of, you know, tier three, tier four feats, and they just don't stack up, right? So, yeah, I think that's a good way to avoid, like, giving them too much power, right? If they, because I think the Knight of Slamia ones are the only ones that have level restrictions. Yeah, and that's only, I feel, because you get Squire at one, and then you don't get another feat yeah. until after that. And right. then also, you shouldn't be a knight, a full-fledged knight at level one. Yeah, right. yeah, you, you shouldn't get, or, or you shouldn't get it at level two either. You yeah. should have to wait. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I mean, for me, I would like to see more unique flavor in terms of weapons and attacks. Right? It's just, it feels like whack, and then that's all you do with a weapon, right? Like, I want a little more judge to it, and I think you know a lot of these feats are artificially separated and they can be rolled in together like tavern brawler and grappler um and i would like to see level based feats like they do with eldritch invocations right okay yeah yeah because yeah, that mean, makes sense eldritch invocations are kind of like feats and they get pretty fucking powerful too they do yeah yeah Okay, I agree with that as well. So I started off by saying, no, nothing. They shouldn't touch anything. And then I agreed with both of you mm. and your ideas. Just, you know, maybe think about your response a little before you say it, Terry. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> We're glad you're keeping an open mind, though. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, that's it. It's important to be able to change your mind when new information is presented to you. And listen to your betters. And, <laughs> yes, sure. Dave, get us out of here. So that's all we. <clears throat> so that's all for this part of our discussion on feats in D and D Fifth Edition. Make sure that you subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week we'll be looking at what all this Dragonlance talk is about as Adam digs into the lore of this campaign setting. Thank you for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, a store with some It's a Mimic merch, and a Patreon. This episode and others can be also found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and most other podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. See how I almost stumbled through that twice, and then right at the end I got it. And some people were like, did he find it? Nope, clean. Good job. Clean, clean, and out. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Please check the show notes for this episode to see links, time codes, and credits, and don't forget to reach out and share your own inspirations. Sound checking? Uh, checking sound. Is this sound that is being checked? Check one. Check, 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 check. Well, I'll get closer first. Check, 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 check. Oh, this is too low. This is not the fucking... Dave's left. So this is all staying in. Yes. I probably should have read my notes before I came here. This one, I think it's going to be fairly simple to go through. It's going to be about staying on time. Yeah. Because there's so many... To get through. Last time we just burned through it though. Okay, I'm sorry. I, can I? Yeah, yeah. I gotta pee. You pee? Yeah. We'll keep the recording going.
See you next Tuesday.